This morning as we uh, were in worship, the second song, the Holy Spirit just rushed in like a flood. And, and uh, at that moment, the Holy Spirit said, I just want you to lay on the floor. And I was like, this is not even the right song to lay on the floor to, God. I wanted to, I wanted to you know, and uh, we waited for like three or four minutes. And he said, I, I want you to lay on the floor, prostrate on the ground. And uh, it's like, okay, I will. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't obey quick enough. And he was like, are you going to get on the floor? And so I said, yes, Lord, I'm sorry for waiting so long. And, and uh, it was just a beautiful time of him ministering to me on the floor. So I just want to be obedient to whatever he says. And so, Lord, help me to be immediately obedient to whatever you're speaking into my life. Well, let me pray, and then we're going to get started. I want to, I want to remind us tonight. I felt the Lord wanted me to, to share this. So I'm going to remind us tonight of the power that we have within us and remind us again of the defeat of the enemy and how he has no ability with power and authority to come against us unless our Father allows him to do so. And that guarantees that our Father is with us to give us strength along the way to, to walk in victory. So let me pray and we'll get started. So Jesus, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for this morning, the way you met with us and ministered to us. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you so much. We just give you praise. We give you honor, Jesus. We exalt your name. Lord, the promise stands true that Whenever you are exalted, Jesus, whenever you are lifted high, you draw all men to yourself. And I thank you tonight. We exalt you, Jesus. You are the healer. You are the Savior. You are life. And we bless you. Lord, tonight I pray that you would just minister to us in, this, in these few moments that we have together. Lord, may your peace rest upon us and may your power be known. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so I, like most of you, was raised in the church, not in the Nazarene church. I was raised in the uh, Wesleyan church. Uh, my grandfather was a pilgrim holiness evangelist, pretty legalistic back in those days. And uh, then, then the pilgrim holiness merged with the Wesleyans, and, and uh, so he became a Wesleyan church planter and church restarter, and this was a long time ago. Um, but my, teenage, my childhood and teenage years was growing up going to different churches every two years. My grandfather would be called to go to a church that was failing, and he had two years to either turn the church around and get it on the right track, and then they would pull him out and put a, install a pastor, or he had to close the church down and liquidate all the assets. And so it was, I saw that growing up, and most of the churches failed that I, that I watched. Um, most all of them failed. I don't really remember. I think there was a couple that I remember in my childhood that actually grew, and there, there's, one of them I know is still growing strong today, just incredible what God is doing. So, But my whole childhood I watched this, and... <clears throat> I had this understanding and this mindset because I've always heard people say these words. If you press into Jesus, the enemy is going to come against you with everything he has. It's just going to get that much harder. And, and the, the reality of saying things like that actually, actually sets a precedence in our belief system that tells us it's not worth pressing in. And the reality is that you can come on in. The reality is that Jesus made a way. Jesus made a way so that we could find sweet rest and sweet victory in the, in the innermost, deepest, intimate places we can get with Jesus. And what I found when, when God awakened me to the kingdom, just my wife and I, about, about five and a half years ago, we, we found out because we came through a terrible demonic storm. My wife and I actually walked in demonic deception and demonic darkness for 10 years, and it was hell. Uh, it was, I mean, it, it was our, 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 even our bodies were beginning to decay and die. And we look much younger now than we did five and a half years ago. God has done an incredible work in our life 
to transform us and our minds. Uh, but when I was awakened uh, to the kingdom of God, I was so aware of the kingdom of darkness and its power over me as when I was a lost person um, that I was scared when I came into the kingdom of God that that kingdom of darkness could, ten- could continue to impact my life in a negative way. And I, so I've, very early on, I started trying to read the Word and understand who I am in Jesus and who He is and what He's done to, to conquer and defeat the enemy so that I can walk in victory. And then I was, I was brought into a church, a local church in Topeka, Kansas. It was our home church for four and a half years where we served. And as we'd come into this local church, it was a Nazarene church, we came into this church, what we found is that most, the majority of the people in the church still walked in a tremendous fear in regards to the enemy. And the reality was they were very scared. And as we travel across the nation, what we find is the majority of people are still very scared to actually do the ministry and work of Jesus on this earth because of, of buying into the belief system that says that the enemy has the ability to come against us and just hurt us. To, to, to throw a sickness on our body. Whenever somebody gets sick, I hear this. Whenever somebody gets sick, they'll text me, people across the nation. I'm under a demonic attack. And, I, you know, I want to I first find out why they say that. Why, do you, why is the demonic? How do you know? I do agree that all sickness comes from hell. I understand that. But is this a demonic attack because the enemy has just touched you with something? Or is this a result of improper lifestyle, not eating right? Are you actively involved in some sort of a sin that has opened the door up for the enemy to have access into your life? These are good questions. And because, because the, first, the first thing that I hear most believers say is, it's a demonic attack. I think, we ought to, I think we ought to stop and discern whether or not it's a demonic attack or not, because when we just say, we just, we just flippantly say words like that. And we, you know, we have the power, right, of life and death in our tongue. And we re- when we release curses like that, here, here's what I know to be a reality. When we release, release curses or lies out of our mouth, the, the demonic realm attaches demons or assignments to those curses to carry them out. And what I see as we travel across the nation, we, we have perpetuated a belief system built upon a, a, a structure of lies that says the enemy still has the ability to come against God's kids and harm us and wound us. And that's simply not true unless our Heavenly Father gives him permission. And so I want to read some scriptures. To, to, I, want to, I want this to be legal so you see this is really legal. This is God's word. So go to John chapter 12, uh, 12, excuse me, John chapter 12, yes. I want you to see what I'm saying. I haven't lost my mind. I'm living in this world. I experienced the buffeting as Paul did, not not nearly what he experienced, but I experienced what it means to be buffeted by the enemy in this ministry that I'm involved in. We experience, one of the greatest ways my wife and I experienced the buffeting of the enemy in our lives is what we see the enemy doing in our children's lives, Okay. Uh, and, and how we experience exhaustion in our physical bodies. And so we realize we're in a battle. Well, I'm not blind. I understand that. But I really want to know biblically what can the enemy do against me? How can he come against me? And can I really walk in victory as a Christ follower? I love this. Jesus is talking in John chapter 12. What a, this is where we see Mary break this, this, this vial of perfume over Jesus' feet in the beginning of this chapter. Can you imagine the smell the fragrance of true worship. 
Come on. When you and I, this morning, when Jesus asked me to lay on the floor, that, there was an aroma that came from that that was pleasing to Papa because I was willing to be obedient and lay on the floor before him and just worship him. I recognized in that second song, song Pastor, that I can't remember exactly how the words went, but the words were this. It revealed to us who he is to us and who we are to him in, in regards that we need him every moment in our lives. And when I, when I laid down before him this morning and just remembered and recalled all the different ways that God's revealed himself to me as my papa, as, as the shield, as my provider, as my protector, as, as, as Yahweh Saba, Lord of the heavenly armies, who has the ability in a moment's notice to, to dispatch his angels to come and to protect me. I mean, all of that's involved in this God that we serve. And when that song came on this morning, I was just overwhelmed by the memories Come on. Paul said in Romans 12, 1, that you and I are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That word living, it's, it's a picture of someone who actually understands what it means that, that you can't live for a moment apart or detached from the life source who is Jesus. That you can't live for a moment. You can't just get a word from God and then run out on your own and do life. But we have to live moment by moment, as Moses did, mouth to mouth with God. Matthew 4, 4, living on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Can you imagine a lifestyle where you and I would yield moment by moment, not making a decision on our own, not assuming for a second, because we are so connected with the life source that we know He sees every decision before us. And if we would yield ourselves to Him, and this is the Christian lifestyle, if we would yield ourselves to Him and ask Him, Papa, what do you want? do in this circumstance that's before me today. Yes, I got to go to work today, God, but what do you want to do when I go to work today? How are you going to work through me to minister to people? See, when I recognize this yielded lifestyle that God has for us, then I recognize that my job is no longer a job. My job is a mission field, and I was called to go to that place, stand behind the pulpit or whatever that meant, running a forklift, using a paintbrush, behind a desk, whatever that means, and allow God to speak and flow through me and to impact every person around me. And even the people that were lost and didn't come to Jesus when I was working in those jobs, they even, still, when I would leave those jobs and go to another job, they would tell me out of their mouth, even though they weren't believers, you are our rock of Gibraltar. You, you are the one that holds this whole thing together. And all I was doing was standing where Jesus called me to stand. Are you with me? This yielded lifestyle is a place of just listening and then sharing what it is he's saying. Verse 31, I like this. This is Jesus. He's foretelling his death. To his disciples. In verse 31, he says this Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. I wrote this down. When Jesus would die on the cross, when Jesus would die on the cross, he would be resurrected from the grave. He would be seated at the right hand of the Father. In that moment, in that moment, the enemy, the God of this age, the devil, and his cohorts, the fallen angels, the third of heaven that came down, they, they, they were going to be instantly deprived of their power and their influence over the hearts and minds of humanity. Jesus was telling us, if you believe in him, if you believe in the finished work of Jesus, if you would accept what it is that Jesus has done, the enemy no longer has the ability to influence or manipulate us. The world, on the other hand, who don't know Jesus, they are continuously manipulated by the enemy. They, their minds are continuously manipulated, right? Are you with me? You and I as believers have the ability. It's a God-given right. It's a God-given gift by the Holy Spirit to be able to discern what spirits... Dan gave you that picture this morning, right? 
of the devil speaking in one ear and God speaking in the other. You and I all have the ability. Yes, the enemy will still intrude our thoughts, right? He'll speak to us. I mean, D- Dave's mom, where's Dave? Pastor Dave Flack. He was talking to his mom a couple, I don't know, three weeks ago. And she's, how old is your mom? 96, 96 years of age, right? And uh, she's just a lover of Jesus. And, and she, had, she called her son. I love the way they pr- he prays for his mom. But she called her son and was letting him know that the devil was lying in her ear. And, and she wanted her son to pray for her. And so it's never going to end. We're always going to have this stupid argument going on. But it's not inside of us. It's if you are a born-again, spirit-filled, baptized, sanctified believer, this argument is out here. It's not in here. Are you with me? Come on. And if it's out here, you and I have the ability to either open the door, let it in, or keep the door shut and say, get out of here in Jesus' name, right? Okay, so, so he says it, he, the enemy will be cast out. Look at, look at uh, John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Let's look at verse 8. Jesus is, <laughs> Jesus is speaking. I love that. And he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, verse 9, because they do not believe me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, listen, this is my, this, I love this. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this age has been judged. He has been dethroned. He has been cast out. He no longer, for you and I, as once again, born again, Spirit-filled, sanctified believers walking in obedience to the Father. This is a prerequisite. Everything I just said is a prerequisite to walking in a place where the enemy doesn't have the ability to manipulate or control. You know what the word animate means, right? People that are of the world, people that are of the world, and even, even carnal Christians... Carnal Christians are people who have not been sanctified in their heart. They've heard the message. They've responded to the message of the gospel. They've been forgiven of their sins, but the sin nature is still in their life. Carnal Christians and and worldly people who do not know Jesus are still manipulated and even animated by the enemy. Now, I would suggest strongly that the shooter that was out in Las Vegas was animated. Would you agree? By demons. I mean, he he was physically animated. The, the functions of his hands, the functions of his thoughts were all and continuously evil. Would you agree with that? See, you and I don't have to deal with that. That's not who we are as children of God. I love this. Hey, let's go back to, uh, let's go to 1 John, all the way in the back. John, I just love, come on, let's do it. 1 John chapter 2. This is good stuff. 1 John. 1 John, it's, it's really in your face, isn't it? We gotta be careful. We won't go everywhere. Let's let's just be let's just kind of tiptoe through first John. We don't want to get hurt. <laughs> I like verse 13. Let's start there. He says, I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. Verse 14. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Did you hear that? Overcome the evil one. I I hear a lot of believers talking about this, this, and it's not true. It's not biblical. We are not overcoming, but we have already overcome if we are children of God. Are you with me? Overcoming would, would suggest that we've got a mountain to climb. And the reality is our faith is a mountain every single day. We're, we're believing in things that we can't see. 
We're calling things out that are not as though they are. Right? I mean, so we know it's, it's, a, it's a journey that we're on with Jesus. But the overcoming part that gives us our freedom in Christ, that allows us to walk in victory every single day, come on, I, you got to get this, brother. you got to get this. I, when I was set free, I was set free from five demons. Are you with me? They weren't in me. There were five demons that would stand at the end of my bed after walking in demonic darkness for 10 years. There were five demons that would, I saw them. They would stand at the end of my bed and they would continuously call, call me names and remind me of my past and try to convince me that Jesus hadn't forgiven me. All right? This is what happened when I was awakened to the kingdom. And I was reading the word and it didn't make sense to me. And I would continue to read the word. First John 1, 9. Come on. I, was, I, I knew what the word was saying. I was getting it in, in my life. And yet these, the, I, I could see them. They were there. It was a reality that I lived in. And they wouldn't let me rest. And finally, I didn't know what to do. So I finally went to a pastor who knew a person that believed in deliverance and the delivering power of Jesus. And that's, that's a rarity. It's growing, but that's still a rarity around the nation. And so I went to this person and all I had to do was walk in this lady's office. All I did was my wife and I went we just walked in the office and she says do you know what's on you and I said oh my goodness yes I know how do you get it off and and you know she goes she just walked over because she knew who she was she just walked over and said in the name of Jesus be free and it was gone and there was there was it was that was it it was gone and it set me on a, on a path of freedom that allowed me then to be able to read the Word of God and then lay down at night in my bed and go to sleep knowing, trusting. Uh, Psalm 4 says that we can trust Him so much that when we lie down, we can lie down in peace and get sweet rest. Amen. And I trust, every night I would, I would quote that scripture and rely on the promise every single night as I'd lay down at night and go to bed. And it was just a sweet reality. I didn't understand it then. I was brand new at what I was learning, but I just knew there was power and we had overcome. There was nothing that I had to overcome. All I had to do was learn how to rest deeper into everything that Jesus had done. Are you with me? See, before I served as a pastor years ago, before I spent that 10 years in demonic oppression, and I was deceived in that time period because I got my wife and I got hurt in the church by the district on the district that we were serving in. Terrible stuff. It wasn't an excuse to leave the church, but it was enough that we, we, we bought into a lie of the enemy and were deceived and walked away from God for 10 years. Come on. And, 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 so, and, and so back in those days, I had the mindset still that I had to overcome. And so it was performance-based. My gospel was performance-based. Well, what I find is I travel across the nation is the reality of that lie which has permeated the church, which comes from Calvinism, has, has the church, many of us, because of the unique woundings in our hearts. And you know what my wife and I find as we travel and as we meet with people, we find really the reality is all of us have been wounded. All of us have been wounded. And the, and the reason why most of us aren't out there doing the very things that Jesus did and even greater is because of the unique woundings that remain still in our soul. You see, we don't live out of our knowledge system, right? This Our brain. We don't live out of our, it's full of information. I mean, you, if you watch TV, it's, you know, are you with me? We have all kinds of stuff, but we live out of this area right here. This is called our prefrontal cortex. This is, this is where we house the image of God. This is where the fruit of the spirit is developed. This is where our God awareness, our God consciousness is. When David talks about our heart, it's right here. This is where, and when you and I are wounded in this life, and, and it depends on the type of wounding, but I also know science proves that it doesn't matter what kind of wounding it is. So when you and I are traumatized, it's all individually based. 
Something that could be wounding for you is nothing for you. You could just say, you see what she went through. And you're like, come on, pour yourself by, by your bootstraps. Get on with your life. Well, the reality is many people that we, the people that Judy and I meet with have either walked for 20 years, 40 years, even 60 and 70 years of being caught up in a traumatic uh, wounding that's in their soul. And they've lived out of that woundedness all those years. And because of that, they've never been free enough to express Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before all men. They might see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. The, the devil's job is to bring schemes into our life to keep us so bound that we cannot freely express this incredible Savior who loves us so much. Amen. Are you with me? It's, it's just the reality. So where are we at? First John chapter 2, and we read verse... I want to go over if we could. Now let's go to chapter 3. Oh, we don't, this is a scary chapter. We won't go. Let's just go one verse because we don't want to get hurt. Verse eight. Listen to this. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the de now, with the word practice, you understand. The word practice in the original Greek, it's a picture of this. It's, it's, it's the one who produces sin. You and I that are born of God, if you and I are born of God and we, we have been sanctified, our heart is pure then you and I have the seed of God in us, the seed of God, right? If you plant, if you plant corn seed, what kind of plant are you going to get? Corn. So God, if you and I are born of God, then we have the seed of God living inside of us. What is to develop out of that? Christ likeness, right? God, holiness. And, and so he says, no one who, so we don't have the ability. Listen, you and I, now we still can sin. We can make a conscious decision to sin. Even if we're sanctified, we know that. That's obviously the issue in the, globally in the church. But the reality is we've been given a power that can keep us from living that kind of a lifestyle. When we don't sin, listen to this. Two years ago, I was driving in my car. And you got to get this. Try to get this. If, I don't care if you get anything else. Really get this. This is so cool. This will help you. Two years ago, I was driving in my car. I agree. In, in, I, think, I remember you sent me a message on this one day. I was driving in my car, and I agree on, on our, our Wesleyan definition of sin, the willful transgression against a known law of God. This is God's word. If we choose to do contrary, then that's sin, right? And we're going to be accountable. What's the wages of sin is death, right? So I asked the Holy Spirit when I was driving, I said, and I didn't know I was going to be doing deliverance stuff. I just was a minister of God. Um, that's just part of it, isn't it? We're just, we have to be deliverers. And so I'm driving in my car, headed to a revival in a small country church in Kansas, and the Holy Spirit said, yes, let me tell you what sin looks like. Not what sin is, but what it looks like. That's what I asked him. He said, sin looks like this. Sin looks like the evil schemes, plots, and plans of the evil one, who is the devil, to hinder, halt, slow down, or stop the advancement of the kingdom of God or the free expression of the kingdom of God within the vessels of God, you and me, the temples of the Holy Spirit. And he downloaded that. And I don't have, my memory's not very good. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I called my wife. I said, you got to write something down immediately or I'll forget it because I was driving, I couldn't write it. But God, burn it in my, it's, it's part of who I am now. And when I recognize that, everywhere I go, what I look for now are the schemes of the enemy at work in people's lives. What is the certain plot that the enemy has brought into our lives to keep us bound to a place where we cannot freely express God's love? You guys really understand, right, that you're all in this room are temples of the Holy Spirit. You're, you're the, you're, as Dan says, we're temples on legs. That, you, right, you, you get the picture, right? Ezekiel talked about it. He talked about a river that went out of the east side of the temple. And whatever the river touched, it came to life. Do you, I mean, you got to get this picture. 
all of us as walking temples have the ability to go to any store in this town, any rest home in this town, and lay hands on people and see people revived, see people brought back to life, see people quickened to the presence of God. Just a, just a few months ago, my wife and I went to a nursing home. We were doing a revival in Missouri, and we went to a nursing home because the pastor said, would you go to a nursing home and pray for this guy? Years ago when I was a pastor, before I was deceived, I remembered this man who worked at a grocery store. And I would go into this grocery store, and this, he was a Hispanic fella. He loved everybody that walked in the store, and it just it captured me. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand love then, but, but I, I wanted to understand. And so here we are. We go into this man's room. He's sick. He's had bouts. The schemes of the enemy that come against this man his whole life had been depression. And finally, depression had got so bad that it cost him physical issues. And he was now, for the last like five years, in a nursing home, immobilized with depression. As soon as we walked in the room, I recognized that I am a temple on legs. I have the one who gives life inside of me. And I knew when we stepped in that room, I, I told Judy and the pastor that was with us, I said, this is, this is, I told that guy, he was laying in his bed and he couldn't get up. I said, this is a great day for you, brother. I said, because the kingdom of God has come near. And today you're going to be strengthened in the Lord and his, his power. And so we, he, he started, he set up on the side of his bed. We grabbed him. We just bear hugged him. We just loved him and prayed for him. We believe that when we touch people, there's a, there's a transference of the healing virtue of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus lives in us, all of us, Right. And so we touched this guy. You know what happened? He goes, you know, I want to come to that revival. He hadn't been to church in years. He came to that revival that night. He, act, he walked. He did everything just as normal. He's incredible. I mean, God just revived him. See, this is you and I. This is who we are. When, when the enemy would see, now I got, you got to get this. Verse 8, the one who practices sin is of the devil. If you and I continue to produce a lifestyle of sin, what we're really producing is open doors for the enemy to have access. We actually empower the devil to have access in our lives and authority over our lives. That's actually the opposite of what Jesus came for. Now, let's continue to read that verse. The one who practices or produces sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose. Look at that. To destroy the works of the devil. What were the works of the devil? to recreate man in his own image, right? The Garden of Eden. He comes, he, he tempts Eve, he tempts uh, Adam. Is, they, they sin all of humanity. All of a sudden, there's no longer caring about within it the Amajo Dyer, the image of God. But now we've got the stamp of the devil, the seal of the devil inside of every heart. And I, I, without a doubt, I know this for a fact. It's clear. Jesus came to destroy that very work so that he could re- print or reseal or restamp or re, re, reawaken his image within us so that we could no longer produce sin, but that we would desire to produce righteousness. We were weapons of unrighteousness. And then when we're, we're born again and sanctified, all of a sudden we become weapons of righteousness yes. that God can use at any moment. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I, you got to see this. Turn over to chapter five now. Verse 18. We're good on time. Verse 18, we know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who is born of God keeps him. So you, you could also put where the word keeps, keeps himself or herself, and the evil one does not touch him. You and I, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have the ability to keep ourselves pure and undefiled by sin. What he's telling us is we have the ability to keep the schemes of the enemy outside of our lives so that we can walk in this incredible victory. Did you, did you hear the end of that scripture? The devil cannot get us. That's the word of God. 
And yet the reality that most of us live in is this false reality that tells us if we press in, if we keep going after God, all hell is going to break loose. It is true that the devil has the ability, as I said when I started, to buffet us. We, we see several places in Scripture. First of all, we see this incredible story of Job, and I'm not going to go into that. But what we, I do want you to recognize is that the enemy had the ability right, to converse with God, to get permission to come against God's righteous man. We also see in, uh, I think it's Luke chapter 22, verse 31, that the enemy had to converse with God again, that he might have permission, you got to get that, that he might have permission to sift Peter. This was before Peter was born again. This is more, I just want you to catch this, I don't know why, but this was before Peter was, had the ability to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The enemy still had to get permission from God to sift Peter, and we also know that Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and chapter 12, Paul talks, I'm going to read it in a minute, but he talks about this reality that he lived in. Paul really lived in a constant buffeting by the enemy, didn't he? I mean, he experienced marks in his body for following Jesus. You and I are scared to experience marks in our body for following Jesus, right? I'm going to read this in a minute, but you got to, I want to tell you a story real quick. Um, when we were awakened to the kingdom, like five and a half years ago, God awakened us. I, I don't have time to go into that, but we came back to church a couple months after that. I spent the next eight months renewing my mind, five, six hours a day, just, re- just in the word, being transformed, not to memorize anything, just to be transformed by God's word. As that began to happen, I, it, just, it was wrecking everything in my life. It was so good. I mean, it was just a purifying process. We were called into our church, began to serve in our local church. It was, it, the kingdom of God was, his, was within us, and we didn't understand it, but we, we saw the effects of it on everybody that we would minister to. We just saw it. I mean, he's, if he's in us, and we really believe he's in us, then everybody that's around us has the ability to be transformed, right? Just like that. So we're in our church. We're serving. We're tithing. We started tithing two months before we went back to church. After walking in demonic darkness for 10 years, we were walking, my wife and I were walking down the road one day after we were awakened, and my wife goes, you know, we should start tithing. I'm like, yeah, we don't even go to church. She goes, I know, but we, she, we understood, we understood. And so I start, I called a pastor friend of mine who was a friend earlier on when I passed her years earlier, and I said, hey, we're awakened to the kingdom, and I would like to start tithing. Could I meet you and start giving you my tithe check? And I remember asking my wife, how much should we give? Well, we, we knew, but how much should we give? Because I, I didn't want to come up with you know what I mean? I didn't want to come up with that. I wanted her to be the one. And she, she, she knew exactly how much. And I started meeting my pastor and giving him these tithe checks. And, and I remember one day I met him at McDonald's. And he says, are you, are you, is this going to cause issues in your marriage? Does your wife know that you're bringing me these checks? And I go, it was her idea. And it, it actually, it started before she was actually awakened to the kingdom. It was like a couple weeks before she even had come back to Jesus when she came up with this brilliant idea of tithing. So we go back in the church. We're there. I begin to serve. I begin to preach, proclaim. The pastor let me begin to serve on Wednesday nights and prayer meetings. We started seeing people healed and, and delivered. It was just incredible. Uh, but after we were there for about a year, all of a sudden, after being very successful in our businesses, all of a sudden, my business just dried up like that. I didn't have any open sin in my life. I was seeking after God with everything within me. Like, like I've never done before. I finally found out when I was 42 years of age that if I would actually go all in, if I, I, I mean, you know what I mean? Go all in. I was done with religion. I was done with, I was done with, with everything that even looked like form and function. I just wanted everything Jesus, right? And yet, and yet, the Holy Spirit told me when I was awakened to the kingdom, submit to the polity of the church of the Nazarene, 
submit to a local pastor, submit to a district superintendent, and remain submitted all your life because that's God's, that's God's desire, that's His order, that's His fashion. And so I did that immediately. I submitted. I called up my, my DS, who was the new DS. I met him. He thought I was out of my mind. I met my pastor, and he the same way. But then God began to produce fruit that proved everything that I was saying was true. So we're back. We're serving for a year. Things are going great. My business all of a sudden dries up. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I mean, I'm, I'm a born-again, spirit-filled believer with fruit to, Bruce, to, to prove that God is within me. And, uh, you know, I, I'm walking before you, Jesus, and hungrier than ever. And, and yet I'm recognizing what's taking place. And my pastor and I begin to get together and pray because we went to this place. I've, I've got a few more minutes. We went to this. We got so bad and so desperate that we started, we, we ran out of money. That's how bad it got. We got so bad that we ran out of money. And we got, we got with three months behind on our house payment. And you know what happens in three months? They send a foreclosure letter at two months. We got the foreclosure letter at two months. Three, three months came. We finally got the final letter to foreclose on our house. We, were, we couldn't make our vehicle payments, and the vehicles were going to have to go back. We couldn't do anything. And one day, listen to this, one day I walked in my bedroom, and the Holy Spirit says, Jay, take the bucket to the bank. And I was like, what bucket? The bucket in my closet. We had a bucket that every year I would dump change. I made really good money <clears throat> when I was self-employed. And so every day I spent a lot of money. Every day I'd come home and I'd just dump my change in this bucket. And every year we would take this bucket, we'd take it to the bank, have them count it, and that would usually pay for our vacation. And not pay for it, but that would help with our vacation. But there was never, there was never over, you know, 400 and some dollars in it. Never. So it would just help. Well, God said, take that to the bank. I took that bucket. I told my wife, I said, I need an extra bucket. So I, I got a, a, an extra paint bucket to take with me. We, I went to the bank. She was like, you're out of your mind. That's not going to help anything. And I said, I know, but the Holy Spirit told me to do it. So I go to the bank. I walk up to the coin machine. I take the bucket. And the, the, listen, the five-gallon bucket was only like this full, right? Are you with me? Only like this full. There was no dollars. And so I started uh, scooping, and I started dumping in this machine. And I kept scooping, and I scooped, and I scooped, and I scooped, and I scooped, and I scooped forever. And there were people actually, tellers at the bank that were starting saying, somebody has hit the jackpot because it didn't quit. It didn't run out. And listen, it didn't run out until I had enough money to pay one month's house payment, which is like 1025 I paid uh, our, 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 um, our, I think it was our cable bill that was, that was late to, and, and one other bill so that we could, my wife had a home daycare and we needed to keep things on. And so we, God provided out, are you with me, in the midst of this storm? And so I knew that the devil didn't have power unless God had given him power to close off the, the resources and finance that I had. And so I recognized, I recognized that the test giver was present in the moment that I was being tested. Are you with me? I recognized that God was with me in the midst of the hell that I was going through. Right? So we begin to cry out and pray, trusting God for His Word. It wasn't any time after that that all of a sudden everything turned around in our life financially. God gave me one job. I had a painting company. God gave me one job. This is so crazy. In April, God gave me one job that, that caught us completely up. I mean, everything completely up. Gave us enough money to fly all of us and our oldest daughter who was ready to get married and have a wedding down on, um, in the Florida Keys. In, in one job. And this person paid up front, and I never asked for money up front. And this person, it was such a blessing of God. We, I got to lead that lady back to Jesus and see her sanctified, quit smoking cigarettes and all kinds of weird stuff that was going on in her life. I mean, this, I'm telling you, the devil has no authority over our life. No authority. If you give him authority, he will take authority. He'll run you in the ground. His job is to kill, steal, and destroy. But he is not worth fearing. He is not. He's no good. He's just a loser and he's a liar. 
Look, say, I want to read the scripture and we got to quit. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I want you to see this real quick. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I, I speak as if insane. I more so in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received the Jews, 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Come on. I mean, the list just goes on and on. But none of it, none of it had the ability to stop him from proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. None of it. Are you with me? If we are after a gospel where there's no effect on our physical being or our emotional being, then we need to quit and give up. But if you and I are willing to press into Jesus, there's nothing the enemy can do to us to actually stop Matthew 5:16 from becoming our reality. Once again, let your light shine before all men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Right? Come on. Amen. What does that mean? Let your light shine. Well, the light that is within us is the self-existent eternal life from the Father. He deposited it in every single born-again believer. How do you let your light shine? It's, it's by the good works that we do. You see, when you were lost and, 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 and or you were a carnal believer without a sanctified heart, the works that you did normally were to satisfy your own desires and your own flesh, right? Come on, it's just the reality. But when you and I have a new heart fashioned after God's own heart, we have the ability to, to reveal new intentions that come from a heart that's been made pure. Good stuff? We have nothing to fear. Can I pray? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. God, thank you for this incredible word. God, we have nothing to fear. Jesus, you are amazing. We have victory in you. So Lord, I thank you right now. I thank you right now that the enemy, you have to get permission from the Father. And Father, I thank you that you are always present. You are always present when we are going through tests in our life. And so Lord, I pray... I pray that you would quicken us in our spirit to the reality of your presence when we're going through trials and when we're going through tribulation. Jesus, you said in this life we would have many trials, but have cheer. I love that, Jesus. Have cheer. We have the ability to receive by your Holy Spirit persuasion, faith to believe that you're with us and that you are greater than the one who is coming against us. And so, Lord, I pray victory over these brothers and sisters of mine each day. Yes. And I pray, God, there be such a hunger and thirst to reveal Matthew 5, 16, so that all might glorify you, Father, and come to know Jesus. Lord, I bless you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.